back of the shed. Nice warm summer day. Boy, we got a bunch of stuff we got to hash out. I don't know if we're going to fit it all in. We're, we're kind of having some trouble with all the things, all the thoughts we've been thinking. But here we go. I had to replace the battery in an AirTag today. Ooh. It's running low, right? So this, the instructions are super simple. You just push down on the silver cap and turn counterclockwise. And it didn't work for me, right? So I go online and now you got Apple's written explanation, which didn't work. And then you got the video explanation and they show the two places to put your thumbs, turn <laughs> counterclockwise. So I get in there and it won't turn, right? So in the meantime, I've already given feedback on the written instructions saying, uh, <laughs> thumbs down. Good. You didn't say what to do if it doesn't turn, right? Okay. That's good. So then I'm just there. I go out and get some pliers, right? And I'm, I'm pushing in with my thumb and I'm turning. Nothing's happening. And then I, and then I kind of move it aside and the cap just falls off. <laughs> like I'd already turned it right at the very beginning. <laughs> it's a very short turn. I'd already done it. And then I spent the next five minutes. Come on, come on. That wasn't going to be my guess. That's way better than what I would have guessed. <laughs> and it'll Ooh. happen next time too. I remember it happened the first time, but it was like 10 months ago. So the next time I won't remember this. Maybe I will by virtue of having yeah, spoken about it on the Yeah, it's hard to know. That's the classic handyman problem is you get some job you haven't done before. It takes you forever to figure out how to do it. And there's always some little key moment in it. Yeah. Your life is like a YouTube video. There's a key right. moment in it. And then you don't do that again for like three years. But you could see an extra sentence there, right? Well, yeah. If, yeah. If the disc won't turn, it's possible you've already turned it all yeah. the way try pulling it off, yeah. you know, which you, you would think, come on, nobody needs to hear that. <laughs> well, well, I did. And I think I did the first time as well. So. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, I got to get some air tags. I think I, I kind of, I looked at them and they were 136 bucks for four on Amazon. Yeah. And you might, maybe it makes sense to buy four cause it's surprising how useful they are. I have two, but then we ended up buying a couple more, one mm. for Sue, one for Griffin because he, on the Europe trip, Right. So yeah, we should have bought four right off the bat, but it's just great. You know, I was there, I went down to a foosball tournament, by the way, in Seattle. And, uh, as usual at the foosball tournaments, I use it two tournaments in a row. Now it's just great because I have my handbag, right. Yeah. And you're moving from table to table so quick and talking to people. And so I just, <laughs> I was, I was going, where is it? And I was circling, I couldn't get a bead on it. And I realized I was circling around this chair. <laughs> <laughs> It's just sitting on the seat. Well, I was thinking about Portugal. And so I'm reading the Rick Steves book that uh, Dale of North Vancouver, not a listener, gave me to read. In the first 36 pages, he must mention pickpockets about eight times. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just thinking, yeah. you know, maybe I want to take some steps to be able to track something if I lose track of it. I don't know what it might be, but... There's a thing. And I also have to go and review with you your whole business of the uh, phone phone business. For our listeners, it's worthwhile getting a SIM when you travel. Yeah. Because um, in Europe, it's $17 a day if you don't do it that, if you don't get your own SIM. Yeah. Or in US, it's $12 a day. So that really adds up quick. Yeah. That's a lot of money, even yeah. in three weeks or whatever I'm going for. But since you're talking about pickpockets, mm. did I spend any time at all on the three-card Monty racket that we watched in Paris. Oof, that was more than 20 minutes ago. Yeah. Like what, well, this, I'm not supposed to have to pass tests on this podcast. No, thing, I don't think so. The thing is that I have a remarkable photograph of it. I don't think you did talk that about that. That brings it all to life. 
because if you know how these things work now, it wasn't three card Monty. It was the, uh, the shell game. Yeah. Same exact same thing, but there's three cups yeah. underneath is one is what they call the P. Yeah. Um, they could be three shells for example. Yeah. And the P could be a ball, but whatever. So yeah, there it is. Just saw it in all its glory. The guys are working. There's a crowd of about six or seven people around the guy and he's moving stuff around and people are guessing where the, where the P is and he opens it up and it's not there. And I'm going, I know this is a racket cause I've read all about it and I know how it works and I've watched it in New York city. And so I pull up my camera and there's a guy comes up to me. No, no photos. Oh, okay. That's kind of interesting. Right. And then, uh, I'm watching and I see the shell. So whenever they do the three thing there, there's a person there who's playing the game. And the shill is the person who pretends to be watching the game with you. The way it works is you got the person who's losing money. That may be also an employee of the guy. Um, the shill is an employee of the group. The shill stands next to you and says, I know how he's doing it. You see that card there? If it's cards, you'll see, see yeah. a little bend in the card there. Or if it's the shells, you, you explain how you can see where he's slipping it, right? So now you're there with the shill going, wow, I'm seeing it every time. I know exactly how yeah, to make money off. Just, I've never heard that before because right. that's fully part of the misdirection. So right? now now you go that's up there. You've, you've been convinced by the shill that you, there's a tell and you can tell. Yeah. Right? You place your bet and you win, right? It's awesome. Oh. And they work you up to a huge bet because now you're knowing, yeah. you know how to do it, right? And there's a huge bet and you lose. And all of a sudden, somebody else that you don't even know, cops, and everybody moves. There actually are no cops, but they need to get the hell out of there before you figure out what just happened to you. Yeah. It was just amazing. So I've got the shot. You can spot who the employees are, who the shill is, literally pointing and talking to the guy next to him. Oh, yeah. You can see the person who's currently losing money who may or may not be an employee. We got to You can that. see the the thuggish-looking guys who are, hey, no photos. Yeah. It's all there in one shot. It's perfect. That's, oh, yeah. So we'll, put, uh, we'll so put that shot up on the site. If Listeners, if that isn't enough to get you to visit the website and look at the work RJ does on that thing, I don't know what's the matter with you. You're not living right. You get your priorities all wrong because I'm dying to see that. That is fantastic. Ooh, that's a very excellent story, RJ. I like that. I'm dying to see that. I actually that got picture. further back as we're walking away. Like we had to go up yeah. some steps, turned around for the shot. There was another guy. No photos. It's just amazing. <laughs> a fire. So you start to start thinking. Because once too. you have the photos, then you can bring it into the cops. Now the cops have evidence because they've worn them off before and yeah. stuff like that, right? Wow. Cool. So I'm, uh, I. RJ, now KJ, I know that RJ has been talking and talking. He never stops. Too much. Yeah. It's my mom was like that too. You have a money making idea. I'm, I'm really excited because I'm so tired of being the lone guy out in the woods shouting to nobody. Did I put that in the any list? Yeah. Well, that's awesome. A rare money making idea. It is rare and and it's real. It's real. I've run it past a stranger in a park one day and he said, he was a guy who was really into this kind of stuff. He's going, huh? So, okay. So here's the thing. <laughs> it's just a huge Excellent. reaction. Yeah. There's peasants in the street and everything. So toilets, toilets have a drain valve and then they have the incoming water valve, right? The, the mm-hmm. valve that lets the water flow into the tank. tank. Okay, the inlet valve. Then. The inlet valve is as old as time immemorial, right? 1920 or maybe 1890 or something. No idea. I don't know when flush toilets were invented. Yeah. 
Sir Thomas Crapper. Yeah. Apparently that's a, uh, an urban myth, urban myth. Yes. But he did, he did design one toilet. 1870s or something. Isn't that when flush toilets came around? I don't know. Anyway, anyway. So you got the, the old ball valve thing, the, the the ball floats up. That's one. And then you got a more modern one. They're kind of in a column and there's a smaller float inside the column. That's the kind we have. So you got how many condo towers are there that have, and how much insurance money is spent because of the water damage that happens, right? Well, we had our toilet crack once, and when a toilet bowl cracks, and if you're not home, the water just runs, right? Because the valve opens, the float never comes up because it's in constant flush mode, the water's flowing out of the crack of the bowl onto the floor, right? That's what happened to us. Depending on how it cracks, but yeah. It was $5,000 in damage and, and we were only missing for an hour or two kind of yeah. thing. Really, how hard would it be to design a toilet that if it's been running for three minutes, it will just have an auto shut off? Uh, I mean, how, how, well, how do you envision that auto shut off working? Well, there's multiple ways. Like there's the hard way that's, you actually have a battery pack that sits behind on the outside of the toilet and it's going to power the automated shutoff. Or you could probably design, some mechanical engineers could probably design, if there's constant flow for three minutes, it keeps inching a trigger forward, you know, and the trigger eventually will hit, and then it just, the whole thing just shuts off. Yeah, I like it. I mean, of course, the first thing will be cost, right? Like, so if that Mm -hmm. toilet costs 500 bucks, you're not going to sell it. Exactly. But if you can make it it just be a tiny increment to cost, then it'll sell like hotcakes. Maybe 10 or 20 bucks. The other thing that I would wonder though, honestly, so in your case, the bowl cracked and I don't know what happened. The whole works just fell on the floor or what happened. The water could actually come out of the crack. Yeah, but I don't understand why. Oh, because, right, right. It cracked on flush. You know what what probably cracked? The bowl did, maybe the tank cracked. The the tank had to crack because if you emptied the bowl, there's no reason for the water to keep going in. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what, so so then the question would become, how often is that? Because you're right about uh, water damage and- Cost is huge. Costs are huge, but how often, you know, out of 100,000 incidents, how many of them are crack tank running water. Yeah, that's a good question. That is probably the driver. Because was it you that talked about the uh, the light fixture that filled with water? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's different though. That was an overflow problem with laundry, I believe. Yeah. So the drain yeah. on the laundry plugged, the yeah. machine doesn't know. It just keeps pumping water right up over the top onto the floor out in the world. If you're in one of those places that pays for their water, you have a water meter here, don't you? Nay. No, but I mean, if you're in one of the places yes, that pays for their water, absolutely. I bet you if it ran while you're away at work for eight hours, be that s- might run you 10 or 20 bucks yeah, right there. Must right? be some money. Yeah. yeah. I like it though. I, that is an actual idea. It's not just the kind I always have, <laughs> you know, the idiot ones. But like all those ideas, even, even the non-idiot ideas, it's the execution that's everything, right? Yeah. So, well, just to invest, just to get to the point where you had something super working really well, has got to be a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars. Probably. That's the tinkerer stage. That's the easy stage. Probably because ideally you want to be able to retrofit it very easily into any toilet. Yeah, and then you got to tool up. That's the big stage. Yeah. That's where you're getting ready for manufacture, and that's got to be a million or two there. 
And then you got to get the revenue coming, or you got to go on Shark Tank, right? And you got to gather nice. information to, to to make that happen. Too, you got to gather information. So quite about often the, the flap, well, quite often the flapper valve doesn't set, right? And many many people have had the experience where the toilet runs and runs and runs and runs and runs yeah. and runs and runs, and runs. So, or it runs and then it stops running and then it runs and it stops running. And any yeah. jurisdiction where you're paying for your water, or any jurisdiction like greater Vancouver, where they're just in a panic over low water levels in the reservoirs, you would think there'd be a lot of interest in that kind of waste, but you'd want to quantify it somehow. You know, I don't know how you would do it. Well, you know what? Your first, one of your early visits would be to an insurance company. Yeah, there you go. They were thinking of saving you guys some money. What do you think about this? Yeah, that probably. And then if they were willing to share with you, they could tell you, yeah, we almost never have a cracked uh, tank. Yeah, because you'd be surprised how often tanks crack, you know, that kind of thing, right? You might find out that they offer lower rates to guys with certain makes of toilet. Well, nothing doesn't run like a train, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, I don't know. That's a nice one though. So listeners, if you take this because it's not patented yet and run with it, RJ's looking for 3%. 3%. He's just giving it away. Yeah. I mean, if it. If you actually did it, I think worldwide sales, and you'd have to patent, see, because you wouldn't want the electrical one. No. That would be expensive. No, that's what, that's. So you'd have to have some mechanical way of doing a shutoff that, you know, how do you do that, right? It's like a little mechanical clock in there. Well, and it'd have to be something way simpler than a clock. Or a button battery that sits inside and it's sealed off. I don't love the battery thing just because... Batteries are finite. And then to undo the battery, you just have to push. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like that one. Well done. Well done. Although it makes my, oh my God. (sighs) Well, okay. I'll counter with a semi-serious idea for the good people at Yelp. So I was talking to somebody about, uh, who was it? I can't remember. Getting their car fixed. A woman. Didn't want to do it. Didn't really understand you know, too much about what was needing to be done. And I'm sure I've mentioned in the podcast before my experience as a shuttle driver with women crying in the car because they're being presented with unexpectedly huge bills for repairs to their cars. And then they'd start talking to me about what was being repaired and quite not infrequently, I would end up saying things like, you know, you don't actually have to have your warranty work done at the same place that sold you the car. And once you're off warranty, you don't have to come back to the same place at all. There's no connection. So if you're not confident in the advice you're getting from that service guy, (laughs) you, you're free to go someplace else because to me, that sounds like maybe there's some unnecessary work being done there. Yeah, And you know, you're not supposed to do that when you're an employee of a company, but it just, So the thought came to me somewhere that it would be good if you could, you know how Yelp does ratings? I've talked before about how don't use Yelp to find a good Chinese food Mm, restaurant. Don't use Yelp to find a good anything, really. Probably not, but don't use it for Chinese food. Well, if you're a woman, you probably want to find a garage that's recommended by other women. You don't want to just find a recommended garage because we know that that industry still has a tendency to take advantage of women. I think... Yeah. Okay. I mean, you're not quite bordering on sexism because you're just kind of observing. Yeah. But I think it's more like if you're a person who's not good at repairing cars, you should find reviews by people who are not good at repairing cars. Sure. But there's a whole bunch of us guys 
who need that kind of thing. But that's way harder to sort on than your gender. That's true. Um, Anyway, it's just a thought. Because you really, somebody else in that same conversation took their car someplace and they got patient, thorough explanation of what was being done, what the consequences of not choosing to do some of this work yeah. would really be, yeah. as opposed to, well, your car might just stop in the middle of the second arrows bridge. You don't want that. You know, I don't know how many times I heard women essentially being scared into having work done. Just shameless, awful stuff. Well, at the risk of uh, just talking relentlessly here, have I already gone over my repair of my coffee maker? No. I might have. Well, I'll just I'll just do it anyway, and we yeah, can, do it anyway because I, I I feel like I've heard this, but I it might have been a prior cleaning. Yeah. So, th- do you guys like the European coffee makers, or do you have opinions on them? Or what's a European coffee? Well, maker? if you go to Europe, uh, almost all of them work this way everywhere you go. Like every restaurant, every hotel has one in the lobby. It's free. You dial up your selection. You press a button. And then you can hear it grinding the beans and the beans make their way into something. And you hear the pump dialing up the pumps now pumping the coffee through a thing and out it comes into your cup. And they're great. I mean, I love them. Some people maybe don't like them, but I just love the coffee you get out of those things. Even the free ones, you just turn it up to whatever your preference is. Yeah, when they work, they're great. Yeah. So Sue had one at at her uh, workplace and it was a Jura, J-U-R-A, Ena 3, E-N-A 3. She kind of liked it. You know, the, the cool thing about it is you just walk up, push a button, you got a coffee, right? The downside to it is you walk up, push the button, it says, oh, refill tank. Mm. Okay, you go refill the tank. Walk up, you got a coffee. Next time you press the button, it says, oh, you got got to empty the grounds. You know, you empty the grounds. Okay, fine. Next time you press, go for a coffee, you hear the grinder go, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Through a rod. Got to fill in the, the beans, you know? So you got three kind of standard maintenance yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. But still, it makes great coffee. So Sue spotted one, the exact same model on Craigslist for $350. Oh. That sounds like a lot of money, but this model goes for 1700 list. Listen, our, our listeners know you're rolling in it already. And no, but the, just, the, discounted, <laughs> the discount is probably like 1300 for a brand new model. I wouldn't right? be surprised. Yeah. They're great. Like, so anyway, we get, it's over in Victoria. We go, Hey Glenn, you want to pick one up? So he goes and picks it up for us and we've had it for 10 years and it's great. So I have all my coffee out of it. Sue still uses the other coffee maker, but love it. So at the end of the cycles, it was starting to go make a sound. It would go like it was kind of groaning. I thought it's fine. It still makes great coffee. It's at the end of the cycle. It doesn't really matter. Everything's working. But then I don't know, it kept going for a week or a month or something. We thought, oh, let's, let's have it serviced because maybe something's going to blow. And if we don't do it now, so I took it in. The Jira service place is one of the most amazing places. It's on boundary on the Burnaby side, up north towards Hastings. You walk in there and it's just pristine. And there's these floor mats. As you walk around on the floor, it has the most comfortable feel. And I went in there and they did have a front desk person and she did market makes distressed sound. And I didn't do what you should do, which is ask them to write down more specific specifics. Always read what they've written down. Cause it's always, you have your long elaborate story, which bores the hell out of them. And they've got their summary that they write cause they're busy. So I should have said at the end of the cycle, but anyway, I didn't say that. So, so it goes in for repair and how many days later it comes back. The guy replaced the blender unit, the blend, the blending unit. 
So they've got videos running up on the wall that show you how these things work. And you're going, oh, wow, because it's just amazing what's going on inside one of these things, right? <laughs> so anyway, um, so they pull me back. Now I'm talking to the guy that did the repair. And he brings my thing out and he puts it on this stainless steel turntable. Right? <laughs> and he presses a button and the turntable raises up so we can see it. Now it's at our eye level, right? And he's turning around and saying, yeah, we well, replaced the blender unit. We're slowly understanding why they cost $1,400. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he says, okay, let's run it. And he goes, at the end of the cycle, it goes. I go, well, that's why I brought it in. He goes, oh, really? So now him and the other guy come in and they're just loving their work you can tell right yeah and they're just like competing with each other for who can identify yeah. what the issue is because it's a bit of a mystery to them they they haven't heard this particular sound on any unit anyway the the other guy figures it out he goes oh you need to replace your uh your drain valve so there's a there's a drain part of the whole cycle is you got your cake of used coffee yeah it's still wet yeah. So now they got a drain, which involves, I think, an air pump pushing the, the wetness out of it and into the uh, receptacle mm. at the bottom. There's a fluids area at the so bottom. So they try to separate the solids from the fluids in the used ground world? And, and then it's so cool to watch the videos. I wow. just imagined the thing comes over and kind of empties the cake. No, it's just like ping, the hockey puck comes out and it's, yeah. and it's now in the little tub. So it's kind of cool. Uh, so anyway, you replaced that and it was, uh, the sound was gone. Now I have a brand new brew unit and something that may never have needed a, a yeah. new brew unit, but I had been using it for 10 years. So I did the math on it and, and the cost per cup was very little for, anyway, I said, well, he, he starts saying now, what does that part cost? And I said, Oh, oh just a second. <laughs> I brought it in because of this issue and you replaced the entire brew unit. Now you're looking at charging me for this last repair. And, uh, he said, uh, okay, he had to go back and talk to the powers that be. And so I got the free. So I said, okay, you know, I've just paid you $350 for a new brew unit. I guess that'll last me another 10 years. So I'm just going to let it go. So anyway, he was super, what was cool about it was he is happy to talk to me about the whole setup. He said there are 1200 of these Jira repair shops worldwide. They all look exactly the same. They almost have the same layout. He said, come on back. So he let me into the back. He'd pull out a whole drawer, 30 tools in the drawer, every tool exactly in a slot. That was perfect for that tool. $1,400. They all had the exact same color, the tools and everything. And he had that thing, that turntable he was showing me, that was just to show customers stuff. Yeah. There were like four or five of these turntables spread out in the repair area. And it's just like, he raises it up and he just turns it around. Okay, work on this thing, work on that thing. It was just the most, must be the most amazing place. And of course he had a Swiss accent. (laughs) You know, if you ever go to Switzerland, yeah. everything's super expensive there, right? So are so. these guys like gnome short, you know? Like no, no, no. Swiss, but Swiss gnomes. Could be. They're out of the watchmaking business now <laughs> and into the coffee. Skin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, you know what? We should send our marketing guy in there, go in there and say, you know what? I heard about this place on the Shed Dogs podcast. That's the <laughs> Shed Dogs. Here's their card. I just want to watch all these videos because they made this sound like. That's what. Yeah. Seriously, I feel like going in there myself just to see it because that sounds pretty cool. I would love to see all the videos that just play rando for anybody that walks in. I 
like that'd be great. You brew a cup on one of these machines and it's the size of an espresso shot. So that's what they call a cup. So I probably have 10 of those pseudo cups every day, right? <laughs> so then you got to multiply this. That's 3,650 in a year, right? So in 10 years, I've had 36,000 of those. Now the $350 repair yeah. bill, you go, okay, what is that? A penny per? Pennies a day. It's the classic. Yeah, it's $1,400, but think of it this way. It's going to last you 10 years, pennies a day. <laughs> and That's every great, every cup has a little crema on top, and you know that magical taste. Yeah, so mm-hmm. is this that machine that sits at the edge of your counter yes. that I've had many cups of coffee? Yeah, I just thought cups. that was an espresso machine. I didn't think it was a... No, it's not an espresso machine. When you put it on its strongest, it still doesn't have that super bitter, bitter yeah. espresso. It's still just, you can still handle that, right? Well, listeners, I can vouch for it's good coffee. I just didn't understand I was not drinking espresso. I thought I was. Yeah. Yeah, That's okay. cool as hell. Jeez. I like that. That's another good story. And I do feel like going to visit that place. Well, you could definitely go in there. They'd, they'd be happy to show it to you. You know why? There's also going to be a sales guy hovering around. Yeah. yeah. He says, you know, you want to see how these new newer machines, you know, you have the ENA 3, you should see the ENA 12. Yeah. It's just remarkable. What do you want in your coffee, Dave? They got the dual hoppers. Right. <laughs> dual hoppers. Yeah, with beans and they're much bigger, right? And then you got the dual grinders. Like it's just like you want quick coffees. There it like is. Like hundreds of them in a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is pretty fun. Well, that's a good story. I like that. KJ, did you take your trip to uh Vancouver Island? I did. We got very little done. Very little done. Did you get very little done on purpose or because you were busy goofing off? Or busy with the mushrooms. Yes. I'm actually not sure about the busyness. Cromer believed it was too hot, and it was. I did do the mushrooms. Yeah. With Cromer? Did he purchase? No, with Deb. With Deb? Oh, interesting. Cromer was our babysitter. Oh, that's cool. And we we decided to do shrooms on the next day, midday. Uh, We knew it took six hours to kind of go through the whole thing. And so we ground it up, and I put like a teaspoon and a half in chocolate milk, and I just knocked it back and painless didn't taste anything it was just fine so it takes you know anywhere up to an hour for things to start Mm -hmm. moving right Mm -hmm. and then as i said before six hours for the trip Mm -hmm. well 14 minutes later wow we're out on deck and i'm thinking hmm it's almost it's almost that that funny nervous feeling when you get when you get high smoking pot the first the first little hit you go oh there we go like you you know it's 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 sort of a it's upper body it's not your mind it's just literally in your body and i'm thinking oh okay oh well that's a little bit faster than i was anticipating maybe that's not what it is you know like i'm feeling that if if you looked at me that my face would be red that was sort of the feeling that it was up here and and I don't think my face was red, but I was, there was something going on inside me. And two minutes after that, I said, I'm sorry, but I have to lay down. You're, you're only basically less than 20 minutes after ingesting at this point. Yeah. And okay, fine. So I do. I go and lay down. And I put a t-shirt over my eyes. And instantly, I saw this beautiful lovely purple and this uh, pattern thing that was going on in my head and that was great and it continued whatever was going on in my (laughs) eyelids was great 
But I, I don't know how long I was lying down for. But I, th- one thing that I was thinking was like, I've abandoned Deb. Mm, right, like, right. what is she doing right now? Did like I didn't even know. So that was that little thought was there. No and finally, idea. finally, I got up, and I'm not. And Crony's there. When you laid down, was it in a separate room? Yep. Okay. Yeah, and Crony's. Yeah, Crony was our babysitter or assistant <laughs> and crew member. Crew member. <laughs> and so I go out, and I, I I don't remember right now. I think Deb was out there, and I said, "Are you okay?" Or uh, I feel like I've abandoned you. And I think what happened was two minutes after I went to lay down, she went to lay down. Ooh, and Cromer thought it was that, weird. That First is all, weird. Yeah. yeah, but I couldn't. I couldn't stay there. I had to go and lay down again. And it also reminded me of the, um, I watched on one of the documentaries where it, it showed them testing people for mushrooms in a clinical situation. People were lying in bed with an eye cover with headphones that might have been just for noise dulling oh, right, as, right. as opposed to any piped music or something like uh-huh. that. And there was somebody sitting next to them. And I thought that's how they conduct the experiment. To you know, And then after that, that's how you start. And then after that, you just do you know, they'll follow you, whatever you want to do, you just go and do it. And then they'll write down the data. And so I thought, oh, that's the reason. Is that why you had to go lay down the sensory input just way too much? Well, that's what, that's what it was, but it's, that's not usually the case. I think of them as any kind of hallucinogenic as also stimulating. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so, but I don't really know mushrooms. I think I might've done them once or twice, but well, what happens is you, if you will connect with somebody and you, you, the two of you won't shut up. Right. Right. Because you, you, and especially if it's only two of you doing it, you know, it's, there's a lot of talking that goes on because of, you know, well, that did, was not going on with me at all. Like I was. Retreat. Retreat. I was having this, um, <laughs> like I set out for this universal connectedness. Yeah. Right. Well, that did not happen. Not at all. Like I saw the pictures, but there was no voice behind them or even any kind of sense that yeah. this is coming from from a, something bigger than all Deeper, of us. Yeah, yeah, I got no sense of that at all. Even though that was it was on my mind uh, before we started. Deb took all her art materials and put them on the dining room table. Oh, like just in, just, just in case, right? because I had said that you know. Well, we were talking about anyway. Neither of us got near it and then i i don't know how long into this whole thing uh maybe three hours Uh, like i i think i got up four times and went back (laughs) you know go out for a smoke or something and and then finally i was able to go out but it was more of a uh, it was more of a like a body stone I mean, I was a little bit wonky in the head, but sort of physically, right? I, well, I wasn't... I was going to ask you, too, who was, at 14 minutes, who was timing everything? And then two minutes later... Oh, well, because I, I, I did. And that kind of doesn't make sense to me, that I have the presence of mind to note and remember the timing of things well, in the middle of all that wiggy distraction. To remember kind of is the thing. Like, to start it, okay, here we go. Okay, I'm just going to... Yeah. I'm going to mark the time. Okay, it's 12.30. We'll see. I just wanted to see, does it take an hour? Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. for future reference or something. Right, right, yeah. So, like, after whatever it was, three or four hours, we just ended up, we were just 
hanging on the deck. Yeah, because I wanted to hanging around. I right? wanted to hear too. Yeah, about that part at the end when it's finally starting to wear off. Maybe that's when you begin to develop that sense of universal connectedness, and you talk to somebody. I don't know. That's what I was thinking. I guess. Well, no, apparently. Well, not in my case. <laughs> so you're hanging on the deck. Well, and then then that was just kind of it. I mean, the slowly the physical just wore passed. off. Yeah. yeah, and you know, and every once in a while, I would go, "Oh, I still that, there's still a little bit of that in there." So these are the golden teachers. Yeah. What'd you learn? Well, I learned that I think I might have been too distracted about that thought about Deb. Mm. that mm. that was sort of that was taking away from any kind it was of not allowing you to wander freely yeah and that were i to do it again that i would know that and and perhaps just say okay it's, it's, i'm just gonna go i'm gonna take this and i'm just gonna go lay down right now and just <laughs> let things happen you know i don't know what huh. and i'm not but i'm not it, it really didn't you know, take my breath away where yeah, I, I was, go. Because I'm, I'm headed for, okay, so bottom line, thumbs up, thumbs down. What? Well, kind of thumbs indifferent, really. Like, hmm. I'm not terribly, uh, I, I don't know that I would do that again. Now, the other thing is, is that I got to assume that that is East Coast mushrooms, whatever it is. I don't know if West Coast is different, or I don't know if just any kind of another psilocybin strain is going to be, is is the trip that much mm-hmm. different? I don't know. I must look up microdosing and just see how much dry weight do you actually, because of course it, there's certainly going to be some sort of mood change, but I wonder if you if you can just sort of, you know, clean the house. and. So now, are you off the shrooms, or are you thinking... Let's see what we can do here. Let's tune this down and try it again. I'm not sure. You're not sure. That's okay. a future decision. Well, that's what he was saying. He's going back in October, and we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Okay, I want to get one more story in here, and it's a serious story for us to contemplate. It okay. is actually kind okay. of serious. I went to the dentist. Okay, good. Hadn't been to the dentist in three years for God alone only knows what reason, but I went to the dentist. And first thing is a cleaning, and the person doing the cleaning is somebody I clearly remember from the last time I went. Um... South Asian woman, very pleasant. She's doing the cleaning and, you know, we're chatting away. As we talk, at one point, she says, my wife this. And I thought, oh, well, maybe they're having a thing about pronouns. Because then, then I started thinking, yeah, you know what? When I was there three years ago, she was about to get married. Husband was from Edmonton. Family was up there. They were talking about, what did they have to move back up to Edmonton? But there's a lot of trips back and forth, get married. And earlier in the conversation I was just having the other day, she'd mentioned their young, how hard it is to get childcare for their young child, two-year-old child or whatever it is, right? So she says, my wife this, and then she did it again, my wife this. And right by now, you know, the radar is way up. You're listening. And then eventually she says, yeah, my, uh, my wife came out just at New Year's this year uh, and has transitioned to being a woman. Oh, there you go. Uh-huh. And, you know, I sort of go, you know, you don't, you don't kind of go, holy dying, that's just nuts. You just kind of <laughs> sort of go with it, right? But the reason I mention it here is I found myself really preoccupied with why do you do that? Why do you bring that up to a total stranger in casual conversation? How hard must it be to still be in the relationship with that person and share a child with that person and change your whole gender relationship? Mm -hmm. 
How about the office? How do they all feel about her telling everybody that comes in there that her husband has transitioned into being a woman and, 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 and I just thought, wow, that is a lot. That person is going to work every day with just a ton of crap moving around in there. You just think, holy done. And so I just thought I'd yeah, or share not. it. Just or cause, not. Yeah. Because like on that other topic, uh, a lot of the crap actually is on the observers. Yeah. And the, the kind of like, because it could be actually no issues whatsoever. Yeah. She might already be pansexual to start with. So what does it matter whether your partner's yep. a woman or a man? And then so at that point, it's, there isn't a lot of stuff going on. It's just nope. all the churchgoers that cause the crap. Yeah, it could be. And yeah. I'll take that as the admonition. I'm sure it is. But I would still go back and say, why would you bring it up? If it's no big deal, why are you telling me about it? Yeah. Why are you working your way up through the well, conversation? That's the other side present? of it. The, the other side of it is that gender is highly political at this moment. And, and, and so people are constantly too. trying to teach yeah. the other people that, yeah, that maybe it was just that. these are all okay and you should respect pronouns and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I agree with that. Um, that first of all, the, there's got to be a pretty, strong relationship to start well or they're really evolved people either or both because that's a lot also the child came when wife is still a man yeah i'm assuming but i gotta think that this would have been talked about you wonder right it like it just sets off all kinds of questions yeah. in your head about what is life like and and on the uh, uh, saying that to perfect strangers i think that's what it is i'm i'm going to make sure that people know that this is going on this is the thing the, yeah yeah i i didn't have any sense you know sometimes you have a sense that somebody's on a mission they're proselytizing right mm. yeah. didn't have any of that at all just making conversation i did have the sense that it was important to her to share this information with me and we were we we've had lots of she's fun she's nice i like talking to her she just talks whatever but it did seem a bit loaded and i i kind of thought she's trying to process this she's putting it out into the world to receive feedback to help her process so somebody in the chair says holy crap then she probably receives oh this is a big deal and that's why i'm feeling this way and if somebody See, doesn't you might have mentioned but how did the conversation go she mentioned her wife a couple times yep did you ultimately say no no nope. you ask Nope. Or did she, how did, how did she start explaining all this well, detail to you? Uh, let's see. How did it go? How did it go? Wife this, wife that. My wife, I told her to look for, told her she's got to call them because it's really hard to get into daycare, yada, yada. And so we go on like that. And, and of that, course, back when she was a man, this would have never happened. Well, it wasn't any of that. Just, <laughs> just, she wanted to say that she had been frustrated because her partner had not taken care of some business. Oh yes. And I, I think it. I think it had to do with the partner's employment, but I'm not really sure how we got to her needing to mention that her partner had transitioned to be a, being a woman. Uh, it did strike me as quite recent, like New Year's this year, not too long mm. ago. But it just kind of came out organically somehow. As organically. Or seeming, seemingly organic. Seemingly organic. Like it wasn't really super clonky, but it's one of those things where you, again, you can tell by the way I'm talking, you, you find yourself thinking, oh, so we dropped little bread crumbs all through that conversation. We were yeah, on our yeah. way to a reveal, yeah. which is sort of fine. But then I, I think about what's the life experience 
like? And what is the motivation for the yeah. reveal and yeah. the need to guide it? And then all those other questions. That's and all good fun. It is. And of course we all read people. You're probably highly readable as a person who uh, is liberal. Well, I f- and, for and sure. So, socially liberal and who would not. Yeah. Kinda... It's not, not a bad. In fact, I have yeah. mad respect for somebody who can keep a relationship mm-hmm. going with those kinds of emotional currents but going she, around. She, maybe she it. works it into all the conversation with a lot of her patients. Well, and right? that's, this is what I think is, yeah. I think she does work it in and I think it is to give her feedback to make her feel more normal about it. Mm-hmm. And then I, that leads me to wondering about the dentist who runs the office. How does he feel about it? Is he okay with her working out issues with patients? All that kind of stuff. But I just kind of, the takeaway for me was, wow, your life, when you start having to do that kind of stuff to manage yourself, pretty complicated, you know, not easy. Hey, check this out, guys. This is a frame from 2001, A Space Odyssey. Every hour I get a new frame. They're going through the entire movie frame by frame. How many frames is that? one every hour? Yeah. For what, three years or something? Oh, how many yeah, frames? Yeah, it's for years. And that's 24 frames per day. And I think these old movies are 24 frames a second. So each day I get a new second of the video. And it, this is all I've seen. Because I started, I think, 3,000 frames in or something, and now I'm up to 6,000 frames. And this moon, there's a gap between it and the, or the sun, there's a gap between it and the moon there. You're going to have to spend it's, weeks just having credits on there. Yeah, I know. It's you know, just Stanley ridiculous. Kubrick for like it's, a week. It still has the copyright notice at the bottom. <laughs> just ridiculous. <laughs> it is ridiculous, but it, it costs me nothing because I only check, uh, am, you know, Mastodon once a day. We're done. I think we've exhausted ourselves. Every deep thought we've been harboring for the last three weeks has been brought out and aired out. And I have one more. Just be sure, as you leave us for the moment, that you tell whoever you love that you love them. You know what? Time's finite. The days are getting short. summertime now. Just make sure and enjoy yourself, because time flies. I love you, Skinny. Yeah, thank you. That's good. KJ, I love you. I don't love you, but... <laughs> okay. <laughs>